This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today is Maura Thomas, a well-known trainer and an expert on productivity and work-life balance. Maura is a popular speaker. She's written three books, and she frequently appears in business media, like The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Fortune, and Harvard Business Review. Today we'll focus on Maura's most recent book, Attention Management, How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day. Maura will share tips about how you can control your attention, and then you can better control your life. Maura, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been familiar with your helpful work for a while, and I'm very excited to have a chance to visit with you, particularly about your new book, Attention Management. But before we get into the book and and you offer some of your wonderful suggestions for listeners, I am intrigued about how you started working um, on these kinds of issues. From, from what I've read, you were recognized as an expert very early in your career. Can you tell us a bit about how you became a thought leader at an early age and also what you're doing these days? Sure. Thanks, Bev, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I fell into this industry really early in my career. Uh, right out of college, I got a job for um, with a company that sold paper. It was a global company um, that sold paper-based planners and training to go along with those planners. And I spent about 10 years at that organization. And my last role there was as director of marketing, where it was my job to really understand and be able to write about the productivity industry in a very um, thoughtful way and to understand, you know, competitors in the industry and what people were doing globally on the topic. And so I had an opportunity, really it was my job to learn all about that. And so I had an opportunity to go to a bunch of trainings and see all of the speakers and collaborate with uh, colleagues in 42 other countries around the world. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to get a really, really in-depth, detailed education um, on the topic of productivity and what it takes to be productive and what works for people and what doesn't work. And so that's how I spent the first part of my career. And then when I left there, I, I started a business and I realized very quickly that the unique skill that I had was in helping people with their productivity. And so I was able to take the best of what I had learned from all those different trainings and books and people and speakers uh, and to roll it up into the into a version of what I teach now and then I had an opportunity to test it with my clients and refine it and test it and refine it and now that's 17 years later um, I have 
come to a lot of, it's hard to say original ideas, you know, because everything is synthesized. I think everything that everybody knows is synthesized from what we learn, right? But, yes. But I have a unique approach now and I have tested practices. I've worked with, just since I started my business, not even before that, I've worked with over 30,000 people in going on 2,000 organizations. And so I've had, I've been able to really understand what works for people and what helps and how it impacts their lives. That's terrific. I just amazed at the breadth and depth of your experience. And, um, but before we get into what you're doing these days, let me um, back up a little bit. And productivity is a word we see all the time. I think it means different things today, maybe, than it did when you were starting out. But when you're talking about productivity, what do you mean these days? Oh, such an important question. Thank you for asking it. We all toss these words around and and yeah, it's really important to know that we're all on the same page in terms of what it means. There is a, a dictionary definition of the word productive that informs my work. It's the basis of my work. And the full definition is achieving or producing a significant amount or result. And so there's a production or a manufacturing piece in that definition, right? Producing an amount. But if we take out that production piece, what we're left with is what I feel is the personal productivity piece, achieving a significant result. So to me, how productive you are in any time frame today, this week, this year, this lifetime, is how much progress you make on the results that are significant to you. And you get to define significance, right? In this, this morning, it might be significant. What's significant to me might be that I have to return a call to a client. You know, uh, this week, what's significant to me is that I need to get make sure that I get to the hospital to visit and and my aunt. Right? What's significant to me this year might be, you know, achieving my financial goals or my fitness goals. So the significance changes with the time horizon, but the point is that we all get to determine significance to ourselves. And when we do the things that are most significant, most important to us, then we are being productive. I think that's a really important definition. I know sometimes uh, clients and, and just in general conversation, people are sort of creeped out of the idea about pushing productivity because it might mean, you know, hours at their desk when there are other things they regard as more important. And you've really put it in context. Productivity is achievement about the things that matter to you is different than how many words can I type by two o'clock. It's a different way of looking at things. Exactly, exactly. And there's been a real change since I think in many ways we are stuck in industrial age frameworks, certainly in our education system, but even in some ways uh, at work with with FaceTime in the office and how many emails can we answer in a day. And we use, we still use a lot of what I would consider to be industrial age metrics, like how many calls can I take or how many words can I type? But we're really in a knowledge society now. And But the challenge with that is that knowledge work is really hard to quantify because knowledge, the products of knowledge work are intangible brain activities like 
relationships and uh, and ideas and creativity and innovation and solutions to problems and analysis and those things are very hard to quantify. So it's a challenge that we're faced with in sort in this knowledge economy. But I think it's a really important one to look at. I think that that brings us to attention management, doesn't it? Yes, for sure. Attention is is a really important component of the knowledge economy and also something that is difficult to quantify. So it's difficult to quantify, but just so people know what we're talking about, how do you define attention in this context, this discussion? Yeah, the, the phrase that I use is attention management. And the reason that I came to this idea is because when, because I've been in this productivity industry for so long, and when I talk about productivity, people frame that in terms of time management. Oh, so you're a time management trainer, you're a time management speaker. And I understand that that's how people think of it, and that's how we've thought about it for a long time, how we manage our time. But that, to me, is also a, a bit of an industrial age question, because back in the days before open offices and before the internet, and certainly before internet-connected smartphones, we could manage our time a little bit better because for most people managing their time really means making appointments with themselves, right? At at nine o'clock, I'll do this. And at 11 o'clock, I'll do this. And at noon, I'll break for lunch. And at two, I'll do this. But that the number one, we are the first person that we are going to break an appointment with. Yes, (laughs) sadly. So that, right. So that is a little bit less useful than it used to be. And second, really, the the big challenge that interferes with that now, our biggest problem today is not is not time. Everybody gets the same amount of time. Our biggest challenge, even with managing our time and making appointments with ourselves, is distraction. Distraction from other people in our open offices, distraction from our technology with our internet-connected devices that are omnipresent. Distraction and marketing that is getting, you know, in order to to understand marketing today and even business, you have to know about cognitive psychology and neuroscience, right? Yes. It's so complicated. It is so complicated. But the point that we need to recognize, you know, uh, the, the point to me, the thing that we need to recognize is that companies and marketers, and it's the nature of the, the, you know, it's sort of the nature of the world today, not suggesting that it's a negative thing, but companies and marketers are getting so much better at, at stealing our attention, essentially, at getting our attention. Uh, You know, the job of the internet is to keep you on the internet. If you look at the success metrics for a website, it's not only how many people come to the site, but how long do they stay on the site? How long can we keep them on the site? And, and so, and, the success metrics for an app are how often do people come back to the app. And so our behavior is really being manipulated in order for these technologies to be successful, which is really important for us to recognize as individuals. I think a lot has been written about the attention economy from a company perspective. How do you get the attention of your clients? But not a lot has been written, which is why I've been so passionate about it for the last decade, not a lot has been written 
from the consumer perspective to say, if companies are working so hard to steal our attention, if the world is essentially conspiring to steal our attention, what does that mean for us and for our ability to achieve the results that are most significant to us? What does that mean for our productivity? And so to me, that's why I have reframed the, the idea of pursuing the, I call it the path to productivity, right? The path to productivity, the old path was time management. The new path is attention management. So I enjoyed your, um, the tool, I guess, the framework you came up with as a way of analyzing these things and, and, and starting to manage our attention. And, and that's your, Four Quadrants of Attention Management. Can, can you describe that to us? I can, yes. The axes of the quadrant, it's a little bit hard to describe over the phone, but the axes of the quadrants are control or effort and attention. So how hard is it for you? How much effort do you need to put in and how much attention do you get as a result? So those are the axes. And then the quadrants are, uh, there are four quadrants. So you would have, for example, low effort and low attention. And that would be what I call the quadrant of reacted and distracted, right? We're not really controlling our attention at all. We're not putting any effort in. And as a result, we are not um, very attentive. We are not very focused. We are, as I phrase it, reactive and distracted where we are allowing interruptions. We have our email open and downloading. We are allowing people to drop in. Hey, do you have a minute? We have our, you know, other communication channels open. And we, in fact, are switching what we are doing, studies show, about every few minutes. And that could be a person who is, a, say, a leader. I have clients who, who are leaders and who, who feel like they owe instant response to their team members. I, I think that they're impacted by everybody's sense these days that you should have quick feedback. And so the leader might be trying really hard, but as you said, somebody's dropping in, somebody's calling. It's a very difficult um, way to get anything done, even though everything they're working on might feel kind of important. So is that that quadrant? It, it is, and, but you have identified a, a challenge in that we may feel like we are trying hard to get work done, but we, if we aren't um, using the techniques that I outline in the book, for example, controlling your environment by, say, putting, you know, closing your office door if you have one, or putting headphones on if you don't, or or putting some kind of sign up that says, you know, please do not disturb for some period of time until the sign comes down or whatever it is. So controlling your environment is a way to put in effort to control your attention, right? You want to give your colleagues that signal that says, please don't ask me if I have now I'm right in the middle of something because it doesn't matter how focused you are. It doesn't matter how much, I call it brain power momentum, right? It doesn't matter how, how much brain power momentum you've built up. Once somebody says, hey, Bev, do you have a minute? Poof, all that momentum is gone, right? Whatever you had your head in, it's now, it's 
gone. It's flown right out of your head because now you're like, who is this? What do they need from me? That's my name. I just heard what's happening, right? So the first step so, in, in managing your attention then is to kind of notice where you are and notice if you're in this very tiring quadrant. What are the other quadrants? Sure. You, If you are in uh, what I call low attention but high control, I consider that the daydreaming quadrant. And a lot of people are confused when I say it's, it's high control. It takes a lot of effort. But here's what I have found with this mind-wandering, daydreaming uh, space, headspace, right? It used to happen to us a lot. It would happen in what I call the in-between moments, right? You cross the parking lot or you're riding an elevator or you're waiting in line. And you would have these moments where you don't need to be focused on anything in particular and there's not a lot of external stimulus that you need to pay attention to. So your mind would just wander and that's when insights are created. But the challenge we have now is that in any moment, in any pause of activity, any moment of downtime, that walking across the parking lot, that riding the elevator, waiting in line, we don't have those quiet mind-wandering moments anymore. Every person, most people just pull out their device. Well, I've got, I've got two minutes in this elevator. I could knock off a few emails right now, or I could clear out these notifications. You know, I could do something, right? I could be productive. I could do, do, do. But we forget that just being still and allowing our mind to wander is actually very productive because that's when we have ideas. That's when we have insights. That's when we make connections that lead to our creativity. That's when our brain has a chance to synthesize information that we've taken in. But those moments have all but disappeared because of our internet-connected devices. So I think you do actually have to try really hard to resist the urge to pull out your phone in the elevator or when you're waiting in line and just allow yourself to be still and allow your mind to wander. So this so that's this daydreaming yeah. quadrant is actually an important one and 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 that's one reason why some people decide instead of eating lunch they're going to go out and take a walk or something like that. Is that right? Absolutely. I would, although I'd probably recommend that you first eat lunch and then go take a yes. walk, but yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. And so then um, um, the other quadrants um, are yes. also um, healthier than the reactive distractive. What are those two? Yeah, they're, they're certainly more useful. Reactive and distracted has its place. Sometimes we need to be the firefighter, right? The traffic director in our jobs, but the problem is that that squeezes out almost everything else for most people these days. So the the next quadrant is high control, high attention, and that would be what I call focused and mindful. That is when you are actively working specific things. I'm going to write this chapter of my book right now and I'm not going to let anything distract me and I'm going to stay focused and I'm not going to get up from this desk until this chapter is completed or this blog article or this spreadsheet or this analysis or whatever it is I'm doing, right? I am, and when other thoughts creep in, I'm going to push them aside and I'm going to work really hard to stay focused. And of course, that's when we are really marshalling our resources, the full sort of power of our, our brain and our wisdom, so that we can bring it to bear on that 
that task or that experience or that moment that we're having. And it's when we are um, really, I call it unleashing our genius, right? When we are just being fully present in something so that we can bring not only our wisdom and our experience and our knowledge, but also if it perhaps it's a it's an exchange with another person, a conversation or an experience that you're having. So not only are we bringing our wisdom and our experience, but our our compassion and our empathy and our listening skills and our humor and all of those other wonderful qualities that we can bring to a situation when we are fully present in that moment. That's what I call unleashing your genius. And so focused and mindful quadrant is really important, but it's also very challenging because we are distracted all day long these days, every few minutes studies show. And as a result, we become habituated to distraction. And so we, even when we aren't distracted, we come to expect the distraction because distraction is now a habit. And so, and, and so that, habit of distraction chips away at our ability to bring our full, you know, to stay focused for an extended period of time, but it also chips away at our patience. And, and so it diminishes our desire to stay focused for an extended period of time because we feel like, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm too impatient. I need to move on to the next thing. Whereas, you know, distraction, 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 we become so used to that, that it ends up being hard to be focused and mindful. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. So... What's the answer? How do we maintain our focus? How do we maintain our attention? And what are some of the things that we can do to fight off those distractions, those challenges? Sure. Because we, a lot of people talk about addiction, technology addiction. I think really that's focusing on the wrong thing. We need to think, I mean, addiction Technology addiction can be a real thing for some people, but I think it's not for most professionals. I think it's just a habit. And so when we are, when we have become habituated to distraction, habituated to interruptions every few minutes, like I said, that chips away at our, at our ability to stay present. But the the bad news, that's the bad news, but the good news is we've gotten ourselves into this situation and we've all successfully broken habits in our lives, right? People have quit smoking and cut down on sugar and started exercising more and, you know, walking, you know, get moving more and all of these things that we have successfully implemented in our lives so we can do this too. 
So the first step is really recognizing if you are habituated to distraction and recognizing distraction as a habit because that habit follows you home at night. And that's why a lot of us find ourselves working at night. It's not really because we intended to work at night. It's just because we are so used to receiving that email every few minutes all day long that that habit, we just find ourselves tapping that email icon on our phone when we're watching TV at nine o'clock at night. And then, oops, there's an email. Well, let me just deal with that so that I don't have to do it when I get in in the morning. And then before you know it, two hours have passed and you're toiling away on your laptop at home at night instead of relaxing or being with your family or doing those other things that you wanted to do. So recognizing, becoming aware, right? The first step in successful behavior change is becoming aware of your habit. And then you need to start exercising those sort of practicing focus is like a muscle right the more you use it the stronger it gets so if you feel like you your attention span is really short start doing things that would build your attention span back up set a timer for example set a timer where you close your office door if you have one or put a do not disturb sign up if um if not put Close out your email, close out your, put your phone on silent and out of sight or even in another room, work in offline mode and set a timer and just do one thing for 15, 20, 30 minutes. And if you practice that, then then that will start to feel less foreign to you and you'll start to build back up your your focus muscle instead of chipping away at it like our typical environment does. So those are a couple of first steps that you can take. If you're successful, sometimes the work sort of takes over and it starts to feel like play and and you're not having to consciously manage your attention. You just go with the flow. And, And that brings us to a wonderful state that we don't fall into very often, but the fourth quadrant and flow takes over. So partly, I I think what you're suggesting is we have to practice the, um, in a small way to get our attention muscles enough to do things in short bursts of focused attention and, and then gradually will fall more, uh, easily into that wonderful state of flow. Is that right? It's exactly right. And that's the flow state. I call it low control, high attention. And it's low control because if you work really hard at being focused and mindful, right, if you stay focused and you eliminate those distractions and you don't allow anything to take you off track and you stay in that focused and mindful state, then you might just get lucky enough to tip into flow because flow is a, is a brain state that our brain enters all on its own, really. We can't, right? You can't say to yourself, I will now be in flow, right? It doesn't work If only way. you could. If only you could, right? The, 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 the sort of... At, clinical, I guess, flow state is when the part of your brain that recognizes yourself in time and space, right? So you're working away, but you're thinking to yourself, how much longer do I have to be here? I'm getting kind of hungry. Is it almost lunchtime yet? Okay. I still, what, what, you know, right. You're, you're focused on it, but there's still part of you that's saying that's somewhere else. Well, when you 
tip into flow state, that part of your brain that that is thinking about, oh, this room is warm and I'm getting kind of hungry and all of those things just disengages. And so there is, you are full, fully immersed in whatever it is you're doing, in the task, in the experience, and time flies and you're not aware of anything else. It's full and total immersion. And the hallmark of that it is a feeling of joy, according to Daniel Goleman and uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, two people who have done a lot of pioneering work on the idea of flow. But there, the thing about flow is that you cannot be in con- in flow if there is distraction present. The two are mutually exclusive, and so if you want to get into flow more often, you need to create an environment with no distractions more often. So part of setting yourself up so that you're able to move into flow is becoming more adept at managing that voice in your head because that can knock you out of uh, out of flow out of it can knock you out of serious attention uh, even without the, all the distractions of modern life for for some people i know as soon as you use the word mindful they're thinking about um meditation and there are many different kinds of meditation but there are a lot of paths to being more mindful uh aren't there and 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 people could it's almost like a muscle again people could could start in whatever way is helpful for them like writing notes about um what you're noticing about yourself or writing notes about your thoughts so that you can get rid of them is is that the kind of thing you'd suggest to clients? Yes, your managing your thoughts is sort of a more advanced technique, but I would say, and because that leads us to, um, you're right, to mindfulness practices and those kinds of things, which are certainly super helpful. And mindfulness doesn't have to be hard, even a minute at a time of a mindfulness practice can be beneficial and then building up into longer periods. But one of the biggest challenges to clearing our mind for most people is that we spend a lot of time, or at least I find my clients spend a lot of time running down their to-do list in their head all day (laughs) because most people don't have a really good way to manage their workload. They use some combination of sticky notes and lists on pads of paper or in notebooks or journals, uh, flags in their email, um, maybe some things on their calendar, some things in some sort of note or task app. And they, they have all this stuff scattered around, which means that they are primarily relying on their brain to manage it all. And when we rely on our brain to manage it all, we keep telling our brain, right, don't forget about this and don't forget about this and you got to do this and don't forget about this, don't forget about this. But our brain doesn't know the appropriate time to remind us of something. So it just reminds us all the time time right how about now it's exhausting isn't it it is how about now how about now you're it's 3 a.m how about now you're trying to focus on something else how about now how about now how about now and so the path to quieting that that 
voice in your head, don't forget about this, don't forget about this, is to have a really good workflow management system. And the one that I teach, I call it the empowered productivity system that has come out of my work. And attention management is the foundational principle of of empowered productivity. Um, But really, there are six in total that I discuss over all three of my books, attention management, action management, communication and information management, behavior change management, meeting management, and then culture change management for organizations. Well, let's say we have a listener out there, and I'm sure we do. We have listeners out there who totally identified with the um, situation you just described, with people um, being distracted every which way, and their their voice in their head is constantly reminding them about the sticky notes, and they're really having a hard time um, juggling, and it's leaving them exhausted. And they want to, as soon as we finish this call, they want to take a step in the direction of managing their attention a little more effectively? What's a good starting point? Sure. I use uh, an an analogy of a puzzle to, to make this point. So if you were to do a puzzle and you dumped out all the pieces on your dining room table, but then maybe your child comes in and moves the pieces all over the house, that would be a very difficult way for you to do the puzzle, right? If you had some pieces in one room and some pieces in a different room and some pieces in a different room, and then, but you were trying to do the puzzle on the dining room table. And so what I would suggest to people is think about why is it hard for you to do the puzzle when all of the pieces are scattered all over the house? And most people say, well, because you don't have everything you need. Well, you do have everything you need. It's all in the house somewhere. But why isn't it useful if all the pieces aren't on the dining room table? Well, it's because you can't see the relationship between the pieces. You can't get a sort of a framework about, you know, where you're headed you can't tell how the pieces relate to each other. You have to, it takes you too much time because you're running all over the house looking for the piece that you need. When you go off to find the piece that you need, you're relying on your brain to say, it was that piece that we need that has a bump on the top and a dent in the left side and has some blue on it, right? And so then you go off through the house in search of that one piece and then you're like, wait, did I say a bump on the left side, a right side? What did I say? And then so you got to come back to the puzzle and then Maybe you go looking for the piece in the kitchen and then you realize, well, I'm kind of hungry. Let me just make myself a snack. So you get distracted, right? It sounds so familiar. (laughs) Really, Right? It is not useful to do a puzzle when all the pieces are scattered all over the house. And for all of those reasons that I just listed, that it's not useful to do a puzzle with all the pieces scattered all over the house, it is not useful to try to run your life, right? Your life is the puzzle and the pieces are the actions that you need to take in order to be productive, in order to achieve the things that are important to you in your life. And so if you are trying to manage your life, when you have some some things with flags in your email and some things on a list in paper and some things in your journal, some things on the dry erase board in your office and some things on sticky notes and some things in your calendar and some things in an app, 
right? For all the same reasons that it's not useful to do a puzzle that way, it is not useful to try to manage your life that way. And so my advice is to essentially collect all the puzzle pieces on the dining room table, right? So your dining room table is going to be a good task manager, and you have to get all of your tasks, all of those things that you need to do into your task manager. And from there, just like the puzzle, you can or- you can arrange it and you can prioritize it. But you can only do that when you have everything in one place. Well, that is good advice. I, I think we're about out of time, so I'm not going to... Um, go into all of the possibilities from bullet journals to all the many planners out there. But I think bringing everything to the same space is certainly a a good starting point. I want to mention again the title of your book. It's Attention Management, How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day. And it's a a quick read, right? It was... um, advertised somewhere I, I thought is something that you can read in an hour so it, it, it's really a way to get started thinking about these things is that right it is it's a very quick read but also every chapter ends with action steps easy action steps that you can take right away to get started on the path to attention management so it's a very practical book even though it's a fast and easy read I think it's a very handy book, and it's an excellent starting place for, for people who want to like get everything on the uh, um, dining table. It's a good place to begin. Thank you so much for joining me today, and, and I think you've inspired people to start battling those distractions. Bev, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Today we've been talking with productivity and work-life balance expert. Maura Thomas, author of Attention Management. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that scheduling your time is important, but it's not enough. The next step is learning to really focus your attention on the activities that matter the most. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us spread the word.